Hello, and welcome to AOPA's Pilot Information Center podcast series. This episode is brought to you by AOPA Insurance Services. If you fly it, we'll insure it. To find out more about AOPA Insurance, please visit the website at insurance.aopa.org or call 800-622-AOPA. That's 800-622-2672 for more information. I'm Ferdy Mack with AOPA's Pilot Information Center in Frederick, Maryland. Our topic for this podcast is aircraft insurance for flying clubs. Joining me today is Bill Sneed, president of AOPA Insurance Services. Bill, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Uh, Let's get started with a bit of an introduction to aircraft insurance. So uh, tell me a little bit about the basic types of aircraft insurance. Absolutely. Well, let's start off, first of all, by talking about uh, how those are differentiated. In general, insurance is broken into P&B, pleasure and business uses, or commercial activities. And today we're going to be talking about P&B use. Keep in mind that um, there are occasionally commercial flying clubs. That would be something where your local FBO perhaps would run. But today we're going to be talking about the standard non-commercial pleasure business flying club, generally considered to be an equity-owned club. Um, To start off with, let's talk about uh, owned versus non-owned exposure. Uh, In this case today, primarily we are going to be speaking about an owned aircraft where the individuals who belong to the club have an ownership interest. That's what's meant by the term equity ownership. And so correspondingly, non-owned would be a renter's policy, basically? A renter's policy, exactly. Renter's insurance or non-owner's insurance is the other side of this. Uh, Normally, those types of coverages are seen when you're going to a local FBO and perhaps you belong to the FBO's flying club. Uh, You would carry non-owner's or renter's insurance to protect yourself in the event that you became legally liable for damage to that rented airplane or perhaps had to pay a deductible or... um, if someone were to be injured or you were to hit something with the aircraft. Those are all non-owned coverage under uh, coverages under those circumstances. Uh, in the case of a flying club, uh, a true flying club as we define it as a non-commercial equity flying club, we're normally going to ask uh, a couple of quick questions to get started when we have these conversations with a customer calling in. First of all, we want to know if it's an individual or a group, uh, a corporation. What's the nature of that flying club? Is it one individual who is deciding to sell shares in his aircraft or take on partners? Is it perhaps two or three people that want to expand that ownership interest? Or is it a full-blown flying club with 20 members and a couple of airplanes? We wanted to find that on the front end so that we're giving them good, proper, and useful information. Um, Normally, as we begin the discussion with people, we ask some pretty basic questions. Who are you? You What's the name of the club? How's the aircraft owned? In general, most of the aircraft today uh, that are set up in clubs are owned under either an LLC or an an incorporation. It's not at all uncommon to see the N number used and then the words Inc. or LLC after that. Second of all, we want to find out what kind of flying they're doing. Is it truly non-commercial use? Is there any kind of a commercial aspect of this? Is anybody being paid for the use? Is there any club member that's doing something with the aircraft that's outside of the permissible range of uses. For example, is somebody doing aerial photography with a club airplane? If so, we need to know that. Um, doesn't mean it's completely uninsurable, but you'd have a gap in your coverage if these things aren't discussed. So that's something that we'll start off with. Who are you and what are you doing? What kind of flying are you doing? Where are you flying? Are you flying routinely to uh, out of the country? Are you flying to uh, the Bahamas? Are you going up to Alaska? We'll need to know that as well. Um, and uh, Finally, you know, when are you going to need the coverage? What coverages do you need? When do you need them? 
Um, do you need liability and hull insurance? Is there a lien holder involved? There are lots of questions. These are fairly routine questions, though, and they're normally all covered on that first initial conversation with the agent. Um, when we look at insurance policies themselves, there are two principal areas you're going to look at. The first is liability, and the second is what we call hull insurance, H-U-L-L. Liability has to do with the bodily injury or property damage that you or the members might do. It has to do with who and what you hit. How much protection do you have for the passengers? And these are discussions that you can have with the agent. The most commonly seen limit of coverage is a million dollars per occurrence, $100,000 per passenger. That would mean that if you were to have a passenger that were injured in a flight, that you could be protected uh, for up to $100,000 of a settlement or a payment. Keep in mind, legal defense is also included in the policy and doesn't come out of that $100,000. If um, something terrible should happen, if you were to have a mid-air as an example, the persons injured in the other aircraft, the aircraft that you hit, uh, you could potentially have a protection up to a million dollars per person. And again, the cap is a million dollars. One of the things that AOPA has done in our discussions with AIG, the insurance company that writes our current AOPA uh, Flying Club policy, is to provide increased liability options. So now you can obtain coverage as high as $2 million and uh, $250,000 per passenger, a tremendous increase over what's been the norm. And the prices are pretty good. So uh, as you, if you find in your club membership there's, there's a need or a desire to carry higher limits of coverage, those are available. Um, getting limits beyond that is still very much a challenge, however, and it becomes difficult to get much beyond that two million two fifty limit. On the hull insurance issues, there are three different ways that hull insurance can be carried. One of those is a ground, not in motion. Basically, think of that as a storage coverage. Second is ground and taxi. Uh, oftentimes, people who are rebuilding aircraft will carry that, so they have coverage for engine run-ups and taxi deaths. And thirdly is full coverage, ground, in-flight, taxi, everything. That's what most clubs carry. They want the airplanes covered all the time. That's what that does. Uh, that full coverage policy, that full ground and in-flight hull insurance, uh, normally represents about two-thirds of the premium. The liability represents approximately a third of it. The Second issue is uh, who is the insured under the policy. If the flying club is named as an insured, there may be additional insureds. There may be club members who belong to a corporation who they, that they need to have it named as an additional insured. Maybe they're flying on company business. Um, there may be some local groups. Perhaps you're flying with the 99s or doing a charity airlift or you're helping out the local Boy Scouts. These issues come up all the time, and they can be easily accommodated. We simply need to know about them ahead of time. Those are normally going to be considered additional insureds. The other very commonly seen additional insured is the local airport authorities. Although in years past, it was unusual to add such additional insureds to your policy, today it's very commonplace. If you have an aircraft kept in a, a rented or leased hangar, it is quite likely that the airport authority that owns that hangar or the private individual that owns that hangar is going to ask that you provide them an additional insured status under the policy. Municipalities, uh, when, when, when they request that governmental authorities, it's very easy to obtain. Private individuals can generally be accommodated, but you'll have to look at the leases to see what they're really asking of you. Again, it takes a quality agent that's familiar with that. They can answer those questions. Okay, great. Let's, uh, let's move on. What can you tell me a little bit about flying club insurance in particular? A flying club isn't just one person with an airplane. They may, exactly. have, they may have some other events or assets that, uh, that they would wish to consider as far as insurance coverage. Yep. Um, actually, that's a good question because today we think about flying clubs in, in a different way than we did in years past. 
in past years, we always thought of a flying club as a large group of individuals that went out and bought an airplane. But today, flying clubs could consist of three guys that have joined together to own an airplane. And in fact, they're a flying club. Now, they may want to grow that membership to four, five, six, ten, twenty. That's fine. And in today's environment, those, can, those scenarios can all be accommodated. One of the new kinds of questions that we're getting, and it's happening with increased frequency, is the private individual who maybe for reasons of age or inactivity or being too busy is simply not flying his aircraft as much as he normally would have. Maybe he owns a 172 and is only flying the airplane 25 or 50 hours a year. That individual may now be very willing and and welcome the idea of taking on some partners, reducing his cost. Takes on a couple partners, he's just cut his cost by two-thirds, and he still probably has access to the airplane as much as he needs it. So that type of flying club, that newly formed flying club, is today very easily insured. And surprisingly, the cost of that policy may be at no increase. If the owners all have similar experience, oftentimes the rate's the same, whether it's one, two, or three owners. As you increase beyond that, and you go to four, five, six owners, the rates will go up, uh, but they're not prohibitively expensive. Let me give you kind of an example of that. Let's say you have a Cessna 172, valued at $50,000. The owner's a private pilot. He's reasonably well experienced. He takes on a couple of partners. Both partners are private pilots, also similarly experienced. Frankly, your insurance premium for all three of you is probably under $1,000 a year. And if you pick up an extra partner or two, you'll pay maybe a couple hundred dollars per partner. So it's not prohibitively expensive. One of the goals that we set forth when the uh, discussions began with AIG on this product was that we wanted to find a way to keep the cost of aviation insurance from becoming an objection. We don't want the cost of insurance to be prohibitive in the, in the either the creation or the operation of a flying club. So our goal which we did meet, was to keep the cost of insurance to the individual member at or near $25 per month per member. So if you take this Cessna 172 and you have 10 or 12 owners on it, 10 or 12 members, you're going to find that's pretty much what your cost is. It's down in that $25 per member per month range. Very manageable. Um, So don't let the insurance be a detriment or a barrier to getting your club started. We can accommodate that. It sounds like there are some specific benefits that AOPA Insurance is able to bring into play here. You're speaking a bit about we, and I'm interested to hear about what we can do as AOPA Insurance that others might not be able to. Absolutely. The um, policy that has been created uh, for the AOPA Flying Club program includes benefits and special coverages that just have never been seen before in a Flying Club policy. There's an expansive coverage under the premises liability protection of the aircraft policy itself. Um, This means that if you insure the aircraft and happen to have it in a a rented or leased hangar, not only is the aircraft protected, but there's premises protection in the hangar, there's protection for damage to that hangar itself, all kinds of extra bells and whistles that are now included in those Flying Club products. Uh, A lot more information of that is available to you, and certainly we can provide that to you. Um, In addition to that, however, the policy now allows us to add what's called CGL insurance, which means if you have an aircraft insured and maybe you have a clubhouse and you need uh, other protections, perhaps you're holding an event or you need coverage for parked cars or whatever the exposure may be, those are available under comprehensive general liability package now available, also written by AIG Force, at an extremely attractive price. So as your club grows, and hopefully it grows to a very large degree, as that club grows, the policy can be amended to meet the individual needs of the club. 
Uh, we can raise the coverage limits if need be, and we can also pick up things like special events or um, other types of activities that the club may be engaged in. Fantastic. This is a, a key part of AOPA's Flying Club Initiative. You know, President Baker's really uh, keen on the idea of how important flying clubs are to promoting, expanding general aviation from the from both the, the headcount perspective, the cost perspective, and allowing more people to be able to afford training or continue to fly. And uh, this sounds like a great, uh, great piece, uh, great cornerstone of that puzzle, really. And not only that, but, you know, one of the things that we as, a, as an aviation community have to realize is how many, many members out there or how many individuals in our country at one point or another were involved in aviation and got away from it. Perhaps they gave up flying because of cost, or they decided they needed to raise a family, or they sold the airplane because they had to do something else with those funds. This is a great opportunity to re-engage those individuals throughout the country. Um, If you're involved in a flying club today, I strongly encourage an outreach program. Find those those pilots who used to be active. Find those rusty pilots. Find those folks who are perhaps not up to speed on today's airspace requirements and it's been too intimidating for them. There's absolutely no reason that we can't re-engage those pilots and get them back involved in flying clubs, especially if we can keep the cost down, which we can certainly do. Um, The policies today also have one other benefit that I thought I'd like to mention, which is the idea of active versus inactive members. Let's say, for example, that you have a flying club that's been around for 10 years. You've got 20 members in the club, but only five members are flying that airplane. Well, you may well be paying the insurance for all 20. Under this new AOPA program, you're only going to have to pay insurance for five. I would encourage you strongly to make an inquiry of AOPA to find out if we can provide a cost that more is more accurately reflective of your risk. In addition, that doesn't mean those other gentlemen, those other 15 pilots are not still members of the club. They simply take on an inactive status, and you don't have to pay for that. So social members and inactive members do not have to pay for the insurance, and yet they can still be protected under the policy for the other activities that the club may undertake. So um, don't feel like you have to limit your membership. Just keep track of who the active and inactive members are. Well, Bill, thanks so much for taking the time to shed some light on these details for our members. My pleasure to be here. If you have any questions at any time, please feel free to give us a call. Uh, We look forward to serving your needs in the aviation insurance arena. Thank you so much. And to our listeners, thanks for joining us as well. If you have any aviation-related questions, as part of your AOPA membership, you can contact our Pilot Information Center staff Monday through Friday at 800-USA-AOPA. That's 800-872-2672. Then press Option 2 on your phone. Or you can email us at pilotassist at aopa.org.